defines what I'm about. And what I'm about is an old school physical mentality. We're going to put a product on the field that the people of this city are going to be proud of. This team will represent this area. We'll play fast, we'll play downhill, we'll play aggressive. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes, we'll play every play like it's a history of life of its own with a relentless competitive attitude. Well, hello, everybody. Good evening. Welcome to our newest show here on the Review and Preview Sports Brand. This show is called Big Blue Avenue. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside my hitmen here, Hank and Dichter. Hank, we've done a few shows on the New York Giants in the past talking about some old seasons. I'm psyched. I'm really looking forward to the show with you here. Um, and Hank, let's explain to the folks what this uh, show is about. Why, uh, why don't we? All right, so this show is going to be like a typical giant show where we're we're going to pretty much talk about the games that happened in the previous week, and then of course we're going to talk about and preview the following game. So, for instance, we're going to be talking about what happened in the Steeler game, the good things, the bad things, and and of course there's the Bears game. We're going to give our previews and our and our takes for what we think is going to happen. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting show. Um, we're going to have this show throughout the entire Giants football season. We're going to put our other episodes on hold. So we're going to recap the Steelers game, as I just mentioned, and I'll display the banner here. Uh, you're going to give our uh, show a follow on uh, Review and Preview Sports. That is our Facebook page. Like and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Review and Preview. And welcome to the debut once again of the big blue Avenue. So we're going to recap the Steelers game. We have a Pittsburgh Steelers super fan, Dominic Daniele, who will be joining us in one minute. And then we're going to have a Chicago bears fan from Chicago in Andy Hopper. He's going to join the show later on. So uh, show you guys here, just so you know who we are. I'm Tom and this is Hank. And without further ado, I think it's time to introduce our first guest of the night. We're going to get straight into it. Dominic Daniele from Stamford, Connecticut, Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Dom, hello. How's it going, guys? Going really good. I'm psyched to have you here. Um, I'm not so psyched about the Giants losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers in week one, but I appreciate you joining us here in the studio. I know you're good friends with me and Hank, and the Steelers won this game 26-16. to Obviously, uh, the Giants led this game 10 to three early on in the game. And then um, that touchdown, the first touchdown of the game, it was interesting because it was a low scoring first quarter Dom. And then it just seemed that the Steelers offense, it got off to a very slow start. Um, but obviously Roethlisberger with the hot hand in the second half, Daniel Jones hit Darius Slayton for a 41-yard touchdown for the first touchdown of the game. And right now, we're not going to waste any time. Uh, We are actually going to show this clip to you guys. So I'm going to share my screen. And I really like uh, what happened on this play. All right, let's see if we can get this going here. One first down, Jones steps up, launches downfield, and Slayton! Touchdown, Giants! And the New York Giants 
cash in the first deep strike of the season. Okay, guys, you can hear me. So, uh, yeah, I apologize for not maximizing that, but we just saw the clip. You guys saw the 41 yard touchdown pass from Daniel Jones to Darius Slayton. I thought this was a really good play, Dom, where Jones did a play action. He bit off the safety, Minka Fitzpatrick, very, very nicely. What were your thoughts on that play? It seems like Jones has a feel for Garrett's, uh, Jason Garrett's system. Oh, yeah. I thought Jones, honestly, besides those two picks, he played a very good game. That was a beautiful throw. He couldn't have placed it any better, Slayton. Uh, he's got a great arm, I got to say. I mean, I thought, you know, he, he did a pretty good job, honestly. Hank, um, I think Jason Garrett, being that he's been with the Giants organization in the past, that definitely gave him an advantage as far as, uh, you know, knowing what to expect coming here. I think this time, though, it was with a much younger team. And I think, if anything, one of the key takeaways from this game is we know for sure, obviously, Golden Tate was out. The Giants impressed a lot of people, and another man who impressed was Darius Slayton. That was his first of two touchdown receptions in this game. What are your general thoughts about him, and do you think that he is primed to be Daniel Jones' go-to number one receiver moving forward? Oh, definitely. Daniel – sorry, Darius Slayton – Last year, I think started to like grow and develop into what into a really good wide receiver, and I think that touchdown pass early on, I think, really indicated to me that Darius Slayton is a guy that is an absolute diamond in the rough. Remember, we took him in the fifth round, and I, I just I think he's someone that's going to be Daniel Jones's best target going forward. And the fact that he scored that touchdown it really set the tone for us at the beginning of the game. I, I really like that a lot. And to piggyback on your point about Jason Garrett, yeah, I think adding him so far, I know it's only been one game. He's been a good addition, too, to the Giants, for sure. I think he's been great. And um, now I'm just going to show one more clip, Dom. Uh, so the Giants are up 10-3, to 3, but the Steelers are moving down the field very nicely in a response, and they throw Roethlisberger throws a touchdown pass to Juju Smith-Schuster. That brought the Steelers within one point, uh, thanks to the Chris Boswell missed extra point. Uh, not to harp too much on that, but um, now we're going to show the second highlight, the touchdown from Roethlisberger to Juju. Roethlisberger just lobs into the end zone, and it's caught by Juju Smith-Schuster. Favorite guy. And Flank off the upright. The PAT is missed by Boswell. So you saw it there. That was our second highlight. Uh, What did you guys think of that? Because the play to Juju, it just seemed like it took forever. I now see, I call that play the lollipop touchdown. (laughs) Um, Because I'll be quite honest with you, I wasn't the biggest fan of the throw, but Juju was wide open. And I think it's partially and intact because Isaac Yadam, who the Giants just claimed uh, off waivers, I actually know they traded for him. The They traded for Yadam from the Denver Broncos. He was nowhere to be found in coverage, Don. Yeah, I mean, that was a great separation by Juju. And, you know, that's what he was missing. He missed Ben. That was just all. it's still great. They have a great connection. That's what he missed with Hodges, what he missed with Rudolph. I think Ben just knows he has a feel where to throw the ball at Juju. 
still great separation. You know, I couldn't agree with you more. And Hank, I think Juju really missed Big Ben last year uh, when he had to deal with Mason Rudolph and Doc Hodges, uh, you know, a couple of backup quarterbacks. But so now the Giants are up 10 to 9. We're getting towards the end of the first half. Daniel Jones, play action pass, looking for Evan Ingram on a little out route. Uh, Unfortunately, he found the big number 90 for the Pittsburgh Steelers and TJ Watt, who was my pick to win. Uh, NFL defensive player of the year this year uh, couldn't be off to a better start picks off Daniel Jones. And that leads to a Ben Roethlisberger late touchdown pass to James Washington at the end of the first half, put Pittsburgh up 16 to 10. I really liked what I saw from Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, Dom, how do you evaluate his performance after missing 14 games last year? Uh, I thought he was great. Uh, you know, obviously everyone's going to be rusty. No preseason. You know, he's coming off a huge injury. He, I mean, his throws were fluid. Uh, he, there was some miscommunication with Deontay Johnson because there's no chemistry between both of them. They've only had one game together, but barely. Uh, a little miscommunication with James Conner on some of those um, dump-offs, but overall he looked great. Didn't make any mistakes, no interceptions. I thought he played very well for his first game back. I agree with James Montefusco. Yeah. Guys, have any questions or comments for us, feel free to comment in the live stream. We'll get back to you. Uh, let's see, Don, is Big Ben comeback player of the year? Is he going to win it? What do you think? I mean, it's very early. We're only one week in. Um, I don't know. I mean, it depends. It's only one game, and, you know, uh, I mean, it all it all depends on how he plays against, you know, tougher defenses, too. I mean, and also, he, he could get injured again. Who knows? But he so far, he looks great. Uh, I don't know. I don't really know if he's going to win comeback player of the year, but there's always a chance. You, just, you never know. I think the defense is what's going to carry this team. Even though the offense, we have weapons. If Ben's healthy, sky's the limit. But I think it's a defense is going to carry this team, almost like kind of what the 49ers did last year. I agree with you 100%. Not to mention, folks, for those of you watching now, in 2018, Ben Roethlisberger led the NFL in passing. He had over 5,000 yards passing, so that can't be unnoticed either. Hank, first half, Saquon Barkley, eight rushes for negative eight yards. Um, this offensive line... So I'm not going to come out and say it was atrocious. Uh, I'm not going to make excuses for them either, though. They were dealing with a very difficult Pittsburgh Steelers front line, as Dom could tell you, any day of the week. That front seven is mean. They're green. They're nasty. They're very good. One of the best in the league. Watt and Dupree, I believe they had the most combined sacks within any pass rushing duo last season. Um but I think the Giants' offensive line was much better with pass protection than run protection. What are your What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I think this is a line that, remember, they're still trying to like get to know each other. They're still trying to gel together. I think that was the real thing with re- regards to what happened last night. And you know, can I, I'm going to talk about Saquon too. I mean, I think it really goes hand in hand with him in the offensive line. Yeah, it wasn't a great game, but. Not once during any of those Saquon runs did I really see him having a good chance to get some good yards off, to be honest. So, I don't know. I'm not really in panic mode about this line. It wasn't great, but it's not it's not the best. And uh, thanks, Mom, for that comment. Thank you very much. And uh, we have a Go Bears comment as well. We will be talking to Andy Hopper later. Andrew Hopper, he is a Chicago Bears fan. We'll preview back. But back here, second half. 
Giants start off with a very nice 19-play, 87-yard drive, uh, Dom and Hank, and that logged nearly nine minutes, ending in no points. Dom, you were very frustrated during this drive as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan because it seemed first or second down, whatever it was, the Giants would try to run the football. They would not be able to get out of their own backfield. And then third and long would come along and Daniel Jones would convert. The Giants were eight for 15 on third downs in this game. Third and 16 completes the Slayton. Levine uh, Toilolo made an outstanding catch. Jones actually had to throw halfway across the field to hit Barkley on a fourth down play, if you guys remember. Um, That ended in no points as Daniel Jones threw a pick to Cameron Hayward. Now, Dom, Daniel Jones threw two interceptions in this game. That one to Cameron Hayward. Do you blame that one on him specifically? I mean – I mean, we don't know exactly where he was throwing, but it looked like he was trying to just throw it out of bounds above everybody, just kind of just toss it out. It didn't look like he was, you know, he was trying to put a lot of pressure on that throw. I don't think – there was no one open in the end zone. I don't think he was he meant to throw it to anyone, really. I thought he was just trying to go out of bounds. Bud Dupree got him, and, you know, the rest is history. So after Cameron Hayward gets the interception, thanks to the pressure from Bud Dupree, Benny Snell, who had a fantastic game, he had a field day uh, – James Conner exited the game with an ankle injury early on. Snell went for 113 yards. Uh, what do you attribute that to? Well, you know, I, th- I think he's just he's just he's a great running back. He's James Conner is you know I don't think he's really the, the he's not a full time starting running back. He's got he's got the ability, but I just think you know he's. Injury prone. I think it's great that we have Jalen Samuels, Benny Snell, and I think it's this whole running back committee kind of thing is you know making Benny Snell look good too. I mean, he runs hard, he runs aggressively, he's fast, and I think he's the kind of guy that you want. He's a typical Pittsburgh Steelers running back, just hard nosed, just wants to bolt through everybody. And 19, 19 attempts for one hundred thirteen yards. That's fantastic. And the only other running backs who ran for over one hundred yards in Week One were Clyde edwards helaire and Derrick Henry, and they both had great games. They're both great running backs. So, you know, I think the O-line, the coaching, he's, he's a great running back for this team. What do you think, Hank? I know you had some thoughts for Dom on Benny Snell as well. Yeah, I think, honestly, after this game, you might have to just make him your primary running back. I, mm-hmm. I think, Dom, you pretty much said it best, and I completely 100% agree with you right there. So a couple of big X factor, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that, that's a good point, too. A couple of plays later, though, folks, Snell fumbled the football. Uh, James Bradbury, the newcomer in the Giants secondary, stripped the football, but Juju Smith-Schuster again, who, quite frankly, he's my MVP in this game, heads-up play, recovering the fumble, which ended up leading to three points for the Steelers. Um, that put them up 19-10. to 10. Do you guys think that was specifically the turning point? of that game, or would you say it's dating back to that second interception? I think it, it dates back to the interception because had the Giants recovered that fumble, we would have probably looked at their drive as redemption to the last pick in the end zone. And maybe it would have given us an early sense in how they bounced back from like from a tough disappointment. You know what I'm saying? But I, I think – yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. And you got to give credit to Juju Smith-Schuster. He was literally right there. He saw where the ball was going. He had the foresight. Yes. Nothing but cap tipping for that play. For that's, that's a good point. And it's well, great to see him be successful. He was right there. He just knew what to do, just in case. 
Uh, that's what I love about him. You know, he's a, he's a team player. I think he learned his lesson knowing, you know, that fumbling issue these last couple of years. And, you know, he's, he's just a team player. you, you got to love that about him. Another point I kind of want to make, I think it also, the fact that the Giants held him to three after that shows that I think they were able to bounce back after a tough drive like that. And yeah. then with the points. James Montefusco, there were at least seven Giants players on that play. How did not one of them come up with the ball? Well, you know what? I agree with James. I Loss of words. It was just sometimes it's the way the ball bounces. Juju was right place, right time. Um, you know, it was a good effort by him. And again, that's why he's my player of the game this week. Speaking of Juju, up 19 to 10, he would score the following touchdown. Had his second touchdown of the game on a seven-minute drive by the Steelers. And then Darius Slayton would respond later on for his second touchdown of the game in garbage time where the Giants did fail the two-point conversion. Hank, you have a comment here from Angela Lobruto saying hello. Hi, Hank. How's it going? Thank you very much for joining the live stream and shooting us a comment. Appreciate it. Um, Don, Big Ben in his return, 21-32, 230 yards, couple touchdown passes, three of them, one of them also to James Washington. We didn't specifically angle on, but I've got to say, I was more impressed with Roethlisberger's passer rating than anything, just a tad under 120. Um I know you gave us your thoughts on his um, his return a couple of moments ago, but doesn't it make it that more impressive considering the Pittsburgh Steelers and their offensive line troubles? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's been – I think that's going to be our weakest link this year, just our O-line. Losing Ramon Foster is huge. He was, he's been great for us ever since we had him. And they, they've always been good with developing guys who are either undrafted or, you know, guys who just get tossed away from other teams. And, you know, like – Villanueva, for example, he's a great lineman. He was he was undrafted. Uh, Zach Boehner was like a, I believe a fourth round pick for the Colts, and they let him go. We signed him, and he looked really good before you know he got hurt. And even last year, filling in too. But I think there's just a lot of moving pieces, a lot of injuries now with Boehner being out for the year. Wisniewski was supposed to be a kind of a backup lineman. He's out. Uh, you know now we have probably Kevin Dawson's going to start rookie, and Chuck's uh, a core four is probably going to start now taking over Boehner's job. Uh, you know, but he's with with a bad, not a bad O line, but you know, with a ton of injuries, he looked very good. He knew where to throw the ball. He was getting it out pretty quickly. That's just what he does. He's a good quarterback. Let's look at this offensive line. As you can see, before Week One, this is what it was like: Dom, um, Villanueva, Filer, Pouncey, the Castro, and Banner. Banner tore his ACL in this game. Unfortunately, I know he was beat by Lorenzo Carter often. The Castro missed it due to a knee injury, and Wisniewski came in relief of the Castro. Uh, the bottom part of that screen is cut off. What that says, folks, is uh, he suffered a pectoral injury in that game. I just moved it up so you guys could see it. Um, Dom, my question to you about the offensive line is how concerned are you about them moving forward? Would you say that's – I don't want to come out and say it's a weakness, but where would you say the most concern lies right now, the offensive line or the secondary? I would say the O-line because I'm comfortable with the secondary. I think, once again, just like everyone else, everyone's rusty. Minka was a little rusty. Uh, Terrell Edmonds is a little rusty. But I like her secondary. I like Steve Nelson a lot. I like all those guys. They're going to figure it out. That's why they were dominant last year, not only because of the pass rush with TJ and you know everyone else, 
in the, in the defensive line, but secondary will figure it out. The O-line, there's some question marks. We don't know what Dotson is going to show. I mean, he's supposed to be a guy who could be really good in the future. I don't know if this year he's necessarily ready. Um, Okorafor, I don't know really what we're going to see out of him. It was either, like I said, either him or Boehner this year. It was going to win the starting uh, right tackle job. I'm not sure about him either. And then, you know, Pounce is getting older. Filer did great last year. Uh, I think he's putting him at uh, left guard now. I think we're going to see more out of him. I think, you know, he has some experience. Villanueva is getting older too. Uh, so I would say the old line is probably more of a weakness in the secondary. And to your point, you can see the right side is completely different. New right guard, new right tackle. Um, it's going to be definitely very interesting. Although I've got to say this was a very low penalized game, guys, where there was only seven penalties combined, I think four on the Giants and three on the Steelers, if I'm not mistaken. I really liked what I saw. Some of the key takeaways from this game I want to talk about is now I'm going to share my screen again. Uh, Get this up here for you folks. Some of my key takeaways from this game, as you can see, the New York Giants offense I have up now. Uh, Saquon Barkley was snuffed out often for negative runs. The offensive line, it seems to be much better at pass blocking. Hank, will the Nick Gates experiment at center work out? I think personally it needs a lot more time to develop. I think he is the guy considering they restructured Spencer Pulley's contract where they can let him go at the end of the season now. What do you think specifically? I think I, I'm in agreement with you. I think it's a little too early to tell. I mean, remember, this is a pretty tough opponent and a really strong, strong pass rush that he faced off against. But I, I think, yeah, in a few weeks, we get more of a sense of what he's like. I think he could end up working and being that center to start for us the rest of the way. You know, it was really concerning. Cameron Fleming wasn't great, but Andrew Thomas was. And Dom, this this next question to you, Uh, considering how, I don't want to say how well Andrew Thomas played because there were some issues, but um, TJ Watt and Bud Dupree, as we mentioned earlier, are a fierce pass rushing duo. Where do they rank amongst the best? in the NFL? Uh, you know, I think also with Bud Dupree, I mean, he he just burst onto the scene last year, really showed why he was a first-round pick. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily right now they're the best in the league because let's, let's also remember, you know, the 49ers last year were very terrifying with their front. Nick Bosa and uh, Eric Armstead, those guys are, those guys are scary. They maul quarterbacks. Um, I, would, I would say maybe top three. I think the 49ers – are I think still number one. And I think a team we have to look out to is look out for is the Minnesota Vikings. Their pass rush duo now with you know adding Ngakwe, what I believe he had over 30 sacks last year on his own. And now you're pairing him with um Daniel Hunter. Daniel Hunter, yeah. I, I think that could actually be very scary this year. I, I would say probably in the top three, I don't know where they would rank, whether it's second or third, but I would I would maybe I mean I, I want to see what the Vikings can do too, because I think that's very interesting those uh, that duo. I would say right now, I would say number two. So let's talk about some of the pros for this Giants team that we took away from this game. As you can see, we have the offense outlined here for you. Golden Tate did not play in this game. I believe the official diagnosis on him, I'm trying to remember exactly, 
uh, it was a hamstring injury that he's been nursing. So that's why he missed the game. And Don, you know, I've got to say this again. The Giants were on prime time. They were on Monday Night Football. Let's be real. The Giants were a bad team last year. They're not predicted to win many more games this year than they did last year, although there are some that think they can uh, sprout. However, they impressed a lot of NFL fans uh, Monday night, not just Giant fans, but a lot of fans of teams around the entire league. So, yeah, I, I got to say, I think they looked really good, honestly, against a team that like the Steelers are projected to be one of the best defenses in the NFL. Jones looked really good. Besides those two picks, I thought he looked really good. He made really good decisions. Um, I think Jason Garrett just is going to really open up this playbook and make him look really well. Um, I think, you know, obviously, once again, the rust. Evan Ingram had a ton of rust. A bunch of guys had a ton of rust. But I like I like this offense, how it looked. They were always in it before the second pick. I really thought you know, it, was, it was an interesting game, especially in the beginning. So despite a few crushing turnovers, Hank, Daniel Jones had a solid game, threw for uh, 280 yards, Two touchdowns. He did have the two picks. Um, he was sacked three times, which is not terrible considering not having a preseason, which Giants beat reporter Paul Dottino mentioned that not having a preseason was very, very, um, you know, it really hurt this team. I'm going to put it to you that way. Um, Daniel Jones, actually, fun fact, folks, um, he tied Kerry Collins. Remember Kerry Collins? Uh, for yep. the second most games with 20-plus completions in a row. So the most consecutive games with 20-plus completions. He's tied that record with Kerry Collins for the most in Giants history. Wow. That's crazy. Eli Manning never did that throughout his career. Daniel Jones, second-year guy. Here he is. He's doing it. Uh, Andrew Thomas, look, it was a subpar game as a whole for the offensive line, but him and Kevin Zeitler, in my opinion, are – going to be and will hernandez too those three are long-term starters for this team oh definitely Uh, gates hopefully can be a guy too uh darius slayton seems to be that number one guy in fact he has the most touchdown receptions in the entire nfl since week five of last year wow uh and dumb you know i'm gonna bring this up as a pittsburgh steelers fan even though barkley couldn't run Against Pittsburgh, he was very polished in the passing game. Six catches for 60 yards, including a nice little screen, a fake reverse to Sterling Shepard. Well, a play action of Barkley, then a fake reverse to Shepard, and then the screen back to Barkley. That play definitely set the Giants up very well. Barkley was a big factor in the passing game. Yeah, he was. He was was very good. I I was surprised. I couldn't believe how well this defense, as good as it is, shut down Barkley. I mean, he's one of the best running backs if not the best running back in football, doing it behind for the last couple of years at that O-line, I was just I was shocked how well they actually, you know, stopped the run. But yeah, in the passing game, he's great. He's fantastic. So um what I find very interesting here, we have a couple of comments. Um Heidi Huey. That's my aunt. Shout out. Quick shout out to her. And Adam Rothschild. Uh Henry, I am not sure I agree that the Giants looked good, but I'm willing to be patient. At what point do you think we will have enough information to judge the team? Well, to answer that question, I would say maybe right around the week's five, six, or seven mark of the se- season. What say you, Tom? I'd agree. I'd say by midseason because the Giants' schedule is very, very 
difficult these first seven weeks. It's a little bit brutal, including the Chicago Bears next week, who we're going to get to them in just a few moments. But um, I liked what I saw from Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. Those guys were decent. Leonard Williams got his first sack since 2018, so congratulations. How long? And the D, yeah, it has been that long. He had half a sack last year. Okay, let me put it to you this way. His first full sack. Oh, yeah. That's what I thought. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure he had at least a half sack last year. Leonard Williams had a half sack all of 2019. And then, yes, Dexter Lawrence had a sack, but Lorenzo Carter made that play happen. Yes. He he beat Banner, and D-Law was able to get there. As you can see, Daniel Jones, PFF grade, he was ranked ninth out of all 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. Great stuff. And Evan Ingram was ranked dead last out of all tight ends in the NFL. That is very, very difficult um, to swallow right there. Um, but before Ingram, Ingram's a guy I'm starting to lose patience with, not going to lie. I would definitely agree with that. Um, but let's go over the defense quickly. This will be um, our last thing. And Dom, feel free to chime in uh, whenever on this defense, because you got to see it on Monday night. I, I think you were somewhat impressed as well. After week one, they are the 12th ranked defense in the entire NFL. You can see on the bottom right corner, I put a little uh, thing in there saying Logan Ryan played over 50% of the snaps who the Giants just signed. So the Giants started the game in a 3-3-5 set. Yes, they are running a 3-4 defense, but majority of the time they did use a 3-3-5 in this game because the Pittsburgh Steelers spread them out very nicely. I loved what I saw from Chase Claypool as well. Oh, yeah. Honestly, the defense, I thought, well, you know, like I said before, the rust is there. And, you know, miscommunication with guys like Deontay and um, James Conner, Vance McDonald. But they they played defense pretty well on, on, you know, on the long ball. But there were some throws, like the throw to Chase Claypool, right on the money, beautiful throw. Those two touchdowns to Juju, fantastic. Um they played – I thought the defense, especially the corners, played pretty well, honestly. Um, Richard Comstock with a comment. There you go, Hank. That would be my stepbrother. Um, and I see he's <laughs> quoting his uh, son there. Thank yeah. you. Reed. So I want to talk you. about the man in the middle, Blake Martinez. Fourth-ranked linebacker by pro football focus. Lorenzo Carter as well got a really high grade, 10th out of all the edge rushers. I put Fackrell in there. He actually – played more than golden. So these are the 11 guys that played majority of the snaps Monday night. Uh, Lorenzo Carter seems to be the real deal. I really think he is. Um, Jabril Peppers was solid. I thought uh, he could have played a little better at times. Bradbury was decent. Tomlinson is Tomlinson. He's going to be that guy. But Blake Martinez, man, I got to tell you, it's just – he eats up tackles and it's not like, see, I was a little concerned because I wasn't sure if he would just be like a tackling machine, but all his tackles are happening close or behind the line of scrimmage. Dumb. You saw this yourself, James Connor. He only had six rushes, but he only picked up nine yards. I think Snell actually provided something that James Connor didn't as where maybe if James Connor didn't get hurt, we could be talking about a whole different ball game where we saw some stuff that we may not have seen. Oh, yeah, they completely shut James Conner down. It was only – it seemed like it was – every time he had the ball, it was only two, three yards of carry. 
Blake Martinez looked great. Uh, I thought he yeah, he tackled well. He played very good coverage. I thought you know I think he's a, one of the best guys you guys signed in a while. I think he's really good. And he was great in Green Bay. He'll be great in New York. Let me respond to Adam's so, comment uh, you just made. Five to six games to assess the team is very generous. Most fans are like me. Listen, it's really hard. I mean, we've gone through a lot of losing seasons this past decade, but at the same time, I got to put it in perspective. It's a younger team, and they're really trying to gel. And like Tom said, this is a very difficult schedule. So I think we kind of have to take this game with a bit of a grain of salt. Let's also take a look at the top left corner of the key departures. I could do without Ogletree and Martin and Bethay. Ryan Connolly was a big loss because he was the best pass coverage linebacker last year on this team, something that I don't think Blake Martinez can provide as well or David Mayo. But remember, we only saw a very small sample size of Ryan Connolly. I thought he was, I mean, to get two interceptions, 20 tackles in three and a half games as a rookie, fifth round pick. That's pretty darn impressive. If you ask me Um, another thing I want to bring up, Riley Dixon down three of his five punts inside the 20. Dom, what did you think about special teams? I kind of thought, and again, no bias involved here, but I thought the Giants won the special teams battle. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I I couldn't believe first that muff from Deontay Johnson. That was was really bad. And I I was, once again, I was surprised you guys didn't cash in with seven points. I mean, around the four-yard line, that was was crazy. But, yeah, I thought the special teams for the Steelers looked pretty bad. And then – Boswell missing missing the extra point. He, he almost never does that. He's almost automatic. So yeah, they look very sloppy on special teams. And fun fact, that was only the third drive since 1999 that lasted that long wow. time-wise that did not end in a score. That ended in zero points. Just goes to show you how disappointing that was. The failure to capitalize in the red zone on a Steelers muff punt Failure to capitalize on a 19-play drive just goes to show you that the New York football Giants, this is a young team. They played for Joe Judge. I really liked what I saw, but a lot of missed opportunities, and I didn't get to bring this up yet. Fabulous head coaching job by Mike Tomlin. Again, I can't say it enough, Dom. He's one of the best coaches in the NFL. He has been for a while, and I think you guys are in a lot of uh, are in a very good position to compete in the AFC North with the Baltimore Ravens this year. He's a, he's a fantastic coach. He proved it last year. I think you know, as long as we have him, we have a shot. Same thing with Ben. As long as we have him, we have a shot. My final, my final thoughts here, I want to get to – and then, Hank, I want to get to yours too. My key takeaways from this game, and as I'll stop sharing the screen, um, the mark of a good team is not what you do in week one. It's the mark of what you do towards the middle of the season – and the end of the season. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. Yeah. And for those of you Giants fans watching right now, the perfect example was 2002. I'm pretty sure the Giants were 3-5 and five and then finished 10-6. and six. That's when Jim Fossil relieved Sean Payton of his uh, play-calling duties as offensive coordinator. But they did kind of get, they did kind of take two sets forward, two sets back. I don't, yeah. I don't remember if they were 3-5, and five, but yeah, that, that is definitely a perfect. They were at least three and four. They were at least three and four. Yeah, I think yeah, they were. All right. Yeah, they might have been three and five, though. Uh, but 19 players made their Giants debuts last night. A lot of missed opportunities. You're going to get that with a very, very young team. So, Hank, I want to hear uh, your final takes on this game with the Steelers. Yeah, I think this game, 
I was kind of refreshed from this game because this is a giant team that I think definitely looked better than ones we've seen within the past few years. Not that that's saying much, obviously, but I like that, you know, the offensive line showed a little bit of progress. Granted, obviously they weren't necessarily what we'd call great defense was definitely better than in years past. So I'll, I'll definitely take that. And like I've said, this is a young team. They're still trying to gel, but you want to know another thing that I really liked was the coaching Joe judge and pretty much the whole coaching staff much improved. And I got to say, Joe judge, I really appreciate him defending Daniel Jones in the, in his post game press conference. He basically, yes, he, he admitted that that throw that Daniel Jones made like that interception right at the end zone was not a good throw, but he also praised him for what was a really solid performance. And this is a guy who I think will probably be here for a while. Thank goodness. Cause it's, it, Having gone through McAdoo and Shermer, I, I want to see a coach like that. I agree with you 100%. He held his players accountable. Dom, final thoughts on this game and your Pittsburgh Steelers? Uh, I mean, it was week one. I thought against, you know, once again, it's a young team. We, did, we didn't know really anything about Joe Judge or any what Jason Garrett was going to run. I thought they played well. I thought both teams honestly played pretty well for, you know, no preseason just kind of out of the blue, not really any expectations um, in terms of, you know, like knowing what the Giants are going to do, what the Steelers are going to do with Big Ben. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was a really good game, and it was, enter- it was really entertaining from, from start to finish. My final statement here is that, remember, the Steelers outrushed the Giants 141-29. to Ingram had a horrible game. He failed to block. The tight ends couldn't block, and that was a huge difference maker that put the Giants in third and long. So, Dom... Thank you very much for joining us here tonight. We really, really appreciate it, and we hope to have you back on soon. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Dom. Of course. That was Dominic Daniele from Stanford, Connecticut, and I want to get to a quick comment here. James Montefusco says, 8-8 this season, called it on review and preview, calling it here. We might take the wild card. Stuart Brunson, very insightful. Thanks, guys. Stay right where you are. We are about to introduce our second guest of the evening. Warm welcome to Andy Hopper from Chicago. Andy, welcome to the show. What's up, guys? How you doing? Thanks so much for having me. We're doing just fine. Thank you very much for uh, being here. I know you're a diehard Chicago Bears fan, so I really want to get into it. I know you do a podcast. You have a podcast platform of your own called The Brew Party, so uh, yes, tell sir. us about that a little bit. Yeah, so I am the host of the Brew Party podcast. You can see right here, I got my bush light getting ready. So it's exactly <laughs> that. Uh, we drink beer, talk about sports. Uh, I am on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, pretty much any podcast platform. You just search the Brew Party and I'm there. Uh, so it's a little bit of me. And then I have some friends. I've talked to some professional athletes. Uh, Ryan Held, Olympic gold medalist uh, in swimming. Uh, Michael Finke, Jordan Caroline, Trey Demps, Alex Ola, former NCAA college basketball players that are currently playing overseas in Europe. Uh, I've talked to other podcasters, excuse me, bloggers, stuff like that. Uh, But I love what you guys do with the live stream. I'm trying to get in this live stream space myself. I've done one uh, for the Kentucky Derby, but that is it. So I'm excited to talk sports. Uh, with you guys talk uh, Bears Giants, 
Um, but I have an episode releasing tomorrow with Lucas Egan from the Land Parties podcast, all about esports and video games, something we haven't really done on that yet. Uh, we also do gambling picks. I am currently on a hot streak, so follow along for those on Twitter and Instagram at The Brew Party and then uh, Facebook at The Brew Party Podcast. But enough about me. Let's get into this game. Very nice. Thank you very much, Andy, for that introduction. Make sure to go check his stuff out. Um, So uh, I'm here with Hank. We're diehard Giant fans from New York. I'm from Queens, northwestern part of New York City. Hank is up from Westchester. We call that upstate, like an hour north of me. Um, Don't get me started (laughs) on that argument. It is not upstate, but (laughs) I want to get to a couple of comments that you put. I wanted to get to them sooner, but uh, let's go, boys. And Brian Long, bear down. Bear down. Uh, Love it, Brian. (laughs) That's a a common phrase. So the Chicago Bears are a team. They went 8-8 last year, and they were finished third in the NFC North, a competitive division. We actually have an NFC North show now called the North Pole. Love featuring it. Gabe Flayton, huge Minnesota Vikings fan, unfortunate um, <laughs> from New York. <laughs> but Hank, uh, Hank and Andy, the Bears they trailed twenty three to six in their Week One game against the Detroit Lions. This was a team that finished last last year, and the Lions. A lot of people were picking the Lions to win, but I didn't. And there, Andy, I kind of want your take on this. I picked Chicago to win because Matt Nagy, he's had. Detroit's number since being head coach. He's 5-0 and against the Lions. And I personally think that Chicago has the better defense, all-around better team. And really the tipping point for me was when Kenny Galladay was ruled out. I think that was huge because you're taking away a huge outlet for Matt Stafford. And despite not having Robert Quinn, I think the Bears are all around. They're a little bit older of a team, and they were able to persevere, especially in a very challenging moment of that game. Right. So if we're looking at it from the gambling, they come into the game as I believe Detroit got three points. So it's the Bears are plus three. And I thought that was a little weird. I get it. It's at Ford Field. They're on the road. First game of the year. No preseason, anything like that. But as you just pointed out, Galladay gets ruled out. And I'm thinking I'm feeling a lot better about this game. Obviously, it starts 23 to six. The first three quarters, Mitch looked like a good old Mitch from last year. We're thinking, okay, how soon do we put in fulls? Um But, you know, and then he had that absolutely insane fourth quarter. I think the thing for me was uh, they just didn't really know what they wanted to do on offense. They didn't really commit to the run. Uh, Montgomery only had 13 carries for the game. I feel like that's going to be big. Backing up on that argument. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like they should be featuring him a lot more uh, in the run game. And when they did, uh, let him run. They were kind of trying to get him to the outside when he's really best when he's running in between the hash marks. He's really more of a downhill punch you in the face kind of runner. I would agree. I think Chicago has a very diversified running attack with Montgomery and Tariq Cohen. I think um, Tariq Cohen, I believe he averaged more yards per carry than Montgomery by a little bit. But I think, yeah, Montgomery was 4.9 for the game. And I think uh, Cohen was like 6.7 or somewhere in that range. Don't quote me on that. Right. Um, Fair enough. So I I think realistically, you have a solid point when you're talking about Chicago. They're a team that they're an old school type of team. Um, I know there's drama amongst their receiving core right now, which um, I want to get to as well. But I I do think that. 
David Montgomery is a really good, talented running back that should be utilized more, in my personal opinion. But I think part of the reason why they can't, the offensive line is very suspect. I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of it. Oh, yeah. I don't know what your take is on it. You probably analyze it a little more closely than I do. But um, they have that Leno guy at left tackle and then Cody Whitehair at center. And then I know Massey's the right tackle. Um, yeah, so if, we're, if yeah. we're looking at it real quick, like you said, so Massey at the right tackle, they have Jermaine Effetti at the right guard, who I believe they just brought in this year. Cody Whitehair at center, James Daniels at the left guard, and Charles Leno Jr. at the left tackle. So there's some returners, but like like you said, a few new guys in there and just not a lot of real experience, I guess, on an elite offensive line. Uh, losing Kyle Long the way they did was huge. Uh, just a veteran presence, a, a winner. You know, he might not not necessarily have been on a lot of winning Bears teams, but he was just a professional, uh, just a guy that could get in the trenches. And uh, <laughs> thank you, Greg. I appreciate that. Uh, somebody that you would definitely want uh, protecting your quarterback for sure. Hank, uh, question for Andy here. Yeah, so what was your overall take on Mitch Trubisky's performance going in, in the fourth quarter? Fourth quarter, absolutely insane. So I believe he's 8 for 10, three touchdowns, 143.3 uh, passer rating. Uh, so you, you obviously can't expect him to be that perfect um, all the time, but you just like to be more consistent the whole game. Like really in the past two seasons and then looking uh, at it today – or I'm not sorry, I'm sorry, that uh, on Sunday, he looks the most comfortable when they're running a two-minute offense, hurry-up offense, uh, where he doesn't necessarily have to play in his feet. I did like how he was making less throws off of his back foot. I think that's huge because he tends to make a lot of mistakes, overthrows and underthrows off of his back foot. Um, really, you're just what I'm looking for from him is more consistency. Uh, and if he can play like he did in the fourth quarter all the time, then that's a Hall of Famer right there, you know, but that's just not, you can't expect that. But, you know, if we're looking at the game as a whole, 20 for 36, 242 yards, three touchdowns, his total QBR was 55.4. Um, and then his passer rating, 104.2. Uh, average 6.7 yards per per throw or per attempt. So that was nice. You know, he's throwing down the field a little bit more. I, I know I said earlier, I want to see them establish the run. But, you know, you have to kind of run to be able to establish the pass and take those shots downfield, uh, which it's nice to see uh, them do. If you look at our receiving core, I know we mentioned there is some drama. Allen Robinson's our number one. Anthony Miller is a guy who I think has to make a huge step to be a number two guy, uh, number two receiver this year if the Bears want some more success and uh, just more consistency. Like I said, that's a big word for me, consistency right. on offense. Um, and then you add in two veteran guys like Ted Ginn and Jimmy Graham. Uh, not expecting much from Jimmy Graham, really, if you look at uh, his body of work the past couple of years. Definitely uh, leaves something to be desired. But then he goes ahead and scores a touchdown. Um, would have had two uh, if it didn't get called back. <laughs> That's a good point you brought up there. Um, I want to get to your point on Allen Robinson and Mitch Trubisky. And I'm going to build off of James Montefusco's comment here um, tr- with Trubisky being on a short leash. Um, yes. You, you seem like you're a believer. Yeah, every fan, if I'm responding to the question, every fan on Twitter uh, will say yes, put in fulls immediately. <laughs> oh, no doubt. So 
I'll state my opinion. I personally believe in Mitch Trubisky. What is your take on him, and what is your thought process about this whole Allen Robinson drama after just one week? The whole Allen Robinson thing is huge. Let's start there. Uh, He is a bona fide, legit number one receiver in this league, arguably top 15. You could maybe make the argument top 10 receiver in the NFL. Um, He is an integral part of this offense, our number one option, you saw in the fourth quarter, he made a couple spectacular catches. I, he ended with a 76 yard. No, I'm sorry. 74 yards. 74, like, 75. Yeah. 74, 75 yards on about four, four or five catches. Didn't find the end zone, but he was, he was just always there. He's a guy that they, if they need a big play, if they need a big catch, they're going to look Allen Robinson's way. Um, as far as Mitch goes, I believe in him too. I want him to be great. Uh, I, this this is my Allen Robinson jersey. My other one is a Mitch jersey. I didn't know which one I wanted to go with, but nice. I wore this Sunday and, and the Bears won. So I guess I got to keep it rolling. Um, you know, they for what they gave up for him, you know, trade up number two pick. And everyone say, oh, you could have had Mahomes. Tell me how many scouts were in Lubbock, Texas uh, on Saturday watching a five and seven Texas Tech team. The argument there is definitely why the hell didn't you pick Deshaun Watson, uh, I think. But, you know, they have Mitch. Uh, he's been, I don't know if successful is the right word. He's had bright spots. He's had low spots. You know what I mean? Um, but like I said earlier, if I think they can keep, you know, keep his head up, uh, keep him confident, uh, limit the turnovers, put him, just put him in situations uh, where he can be successful. And that comes down to Neji's play calling, which is, Definitely questionable sometimes. I do like him as a head coach. I like the creativity he brings, but I do think sometimes he tries to get a little bit too cute. And Mitch can, I don't want to say scared, but he gets that deer in the heads, deer in the headlights look. Um, and that's <laughs> led to some mistakes. So what I'm looking for from Mitch, you know, more consistent, allow him to kind of move around in the pocket because he is kind of he makes those throws on the run a little bit better than he does with his feet planted. Weird, weird enough. Uh, get him some easy uh, passes quickly uh, in the game. Get off to a quicker start. We can't be having six points through three quarters because there's no way that Saquon is only going for six yards. Right. <laughs> this, there's no way. Yeah. Um, I got to say I'm a big Cole Komet fan, a big Notre Dame fan as well. So I really like Cole Komet for you guys. I think he was an excellent draft choice. I think he's your tight end of the future. I think that's a player that you need. Um, looking into this week's matchup, last year the Bears beat the Giants 19-14. to 14. It was a very low-scoring game, not many points. The Bears were, uh, I think this week the Bears were 2-for-11 on third down. Um And obviously the Giants, they do have, again, very small sample size, but they were pretty good in week one, Uh, 12th-ranked defense in the league. The Bears had the fourth-ranked defense last year in 2019. I like what defensive coordinator Chuck Pagano brings to the table as far as coaching these guys. I know he was out of the NFL for a year. Robert Quinn coming off an 11-and-a-half sack season with the Cowboys. I think he's a great addition. Um, I'm interested to see what type of impact he has on the game Sunday. If he does in fact play, I'm not that has he practiced at all this week? 
Um, so Khalil Mack actually and Robert Quinn were both limited in practice today. So I, at practice, limited activity listed as questionable currently for Sunday. But like you said, his 11 and a half sack last year, obviously that was with the Cowboys, not with the Bears. But last week, as as a defense, the Bears only had one sack and five tackles for loss. That's a big thing with this defense. We want to put pressure on the quarterback and the ball hawks in the secondary, let them create turnovers. Uh, I think that's going to be huge in this game is who makes the most mistakes or the least mistakes, which defense is able to get pressure on either Daniel Jones or if the Giants can get pressure on Mitchell Trubisky. Um, I thought Daniel Jones played great in week one. Uh, I point to that drive where he took you guys almost 80 or 90 yards all, all the way down the field. And you have to look, Saquon only had six yards, uh, but he was able to make an impact, I believe, uh, six catches for 60 yards uh, as well. But if we're going back to that drive, he drives you all the way down the field, makes a mistake, uh, throws an interception, reminiscent of Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> yeah, I, I see some similarities. I think Jones, um, you know, it's really tough. Uh, Hank, what is your whole outtake on this game this weekend? You know, I'm really intrigued because the Giants are on the road. Chicago is a very tough place to play, even despite not having. I don't. I still don't think they're having fans. No, uh, Illinois is pretty. It's it's been pretty strict. I believe no fans, but you know, it's a grass field. It's not turf. It's bare weather, as they like to call it. I mean, it is only September. It shouldn't be too cold yet. But you know, I think this game. I think this is going to be another tough game. I know some people, some people love the Giants winning, some don't. I think definitely this is a game the Giants are going to be capable of winning. My sure. concern, though, is the offensive line and going up against guys like Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn because we saw last week in the Steelers they had a lot of trouble. They had a lot of trouble protecting, and we saw how it affected Saquon Barkley. So I think that's going to be an interesting matchup. I, unfortunately, for those who have seen, who have been friends with me on Facebook, you'll see I do my annual weekly write-ups. I mention I think that might cause problems, and I, unfortunately, don't have the Giants winning, but I also see it's going to be a very close game. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I think this should be a very interesting matchup for sure, and I think it's one that the Giants really are going to want to win if they want to, like, keep pace, like, with the rest of the schedule. Because, as we mentioned, it is an unyielding and brutal schedule. Thank you, Dr. Rose. Thank you for watching. Thank you for the comment. Great to see you. Andy, building off of Hank's point, I want to get to something you addressed just a minute ago. This defense, I mean, hopefully Mack and Quinn are good to go. It's not just them, though. Roquan Smith, who led the team in tackles last year. Danny Trevathan, who's done a good job, especially since Kwiatkowski left to the Raiders. Mm -hmm. Uh Akeem Hicks, interior yeah. line, got the, got the only sack last week. Look for like look for him to try to make some noise um, this week, especially if you are a little bit nervous about the offensive line. But I mean, it, him and Khalil Mack work so well together. I know they don't have Leonard Floyd uh, coming off the edge, off the other edge anymore. But uh, a lot of the times they play off each other. One of them gets doubled. The other one takes advantage of it. Um so I think uh, Hicks will definitely be a big factor in this. And if I'm looking at the secondary, Eddie Jackson uh, is a turnover machine. Uh, I look for him to try to make a play. If it's not uh, intercepting a ball, he always likes to get some big hits across the middle for sure. 
highest paid safety in the league right there, uh, Eddie Jackson, that is. Worth it. Not, not to mention their cornerbacks, Kyle Fuller and Jalen Johnson, who according to Pro Football Focus, those two cornerbacks both had above 75 overall grades last week, which is fantastic for a pair of uh, – I know uh, Fuller's a little older older than Johnson, but um, yeah. I'm concerned no, about that a little bit. So that's – you know, especially if Golden Tate plays because he's been nursing a hamstring injury all week. I think having him this week is a lot more important than last week because if you put him in the mix with Slayton and Shepard, I mean, you've seen him. He played in the NFC North for years. He's a very yeah. difficult player to guard despite being 32 now. I think having him would uh, exploit a whole new dimension of offense for Daniel Jones, and I think that's something that Chicago – may struggle with but other than that like a young receiver like Darius Slayton trying to get open against those guys it could really put a lot of pressure on this running game and Saquon Barkley that's just my personal take on that um absolutely I mean I I for I was impressed with Slayton week one you know you look six catches 102 yards two touchdowns uh for me, not really a guy I really had my eye on uh, in this offense to make noise. That was kind of cool to see. But, yeah, I think this will all depend on, like, how quickly you guys can get the run established. Is Saquon going to be able to get going? How many uh, negative plays are we going to see this week? Uh, like I mentioned earlier, he was heavily still featured in the passing game, and you guys were able to move the ball. And the Bears play more of like a bend, don't break type defense. So if they can, you know – Bend, not break. They'll probably give up some points. Uh, but it, like, if they can pressure the quarterback, make Daniel Jones uh, turn the ball over, then I think the Bears win this game by at least a touchdown. Very interesting. Uh, speaking of keys to the game, I'm going to get to that now. I think for the Giants, at least, it's win the line of scrimmage. We just talked about your secondary, Andy, and I think the Giants need to win the, the line of scrimmage on both sides of the trenches, not just on offense, but on defense as well. Mm-hmm. The Giants need to diagnose the running game with David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen because last year that was the one strength on that Giants defense was their front snuffing out the run. The Bears, they like to mix it up in the backfield, as you mentioned. The Bears, they don't have a good old line, and Pat Graham, the Giants' new D.C., does a good job scheming uh, as far as knowing – which linemen are going to be paired up where, what type of blitzes they're sending in. They actually played Logan Ryan at linebacker for a little bit last week. And Hank, I want, I want to hear yours, but the, the last one for me is confuse Mitch Trubisky. Uh, he is the yeah. most Jekyll and Hyde type of quarterback in the NFL. He's either really good or he's really bad. So you never know what you're going to get. That's the most frustrating part about being a Bears fan. It's just, that's, <laughs> if we know he's going to be really good every game, play him. If we know, if we, we just want to know which one it is, you know what I mean? We'll put Foles in. Yeah, I think that might be ultimately the third thing that you said, Tom, will be the key to victory. If the, if the Giants can pressure him and get him to like lose his composure, posure, I think that would be a, a big difference between them possibly winning and losing this game. And yeah, that the battle in the trenches, as you mentioned, I would totally agree. That's another very important thing for the Giants to win. And hey, if the if our offensive line can contain Mac and Quinn, I I think that would be another big difference for them, winning or losing. For sure, 
Andy, let's pick this game quick. So you're leaning towards Chicago, right? Yes, sir. So Chicago comes in as five and a half point favorites. Um, you know, I I'm definitely leaning towards the Bears. This may be more of a pick 'em like money line type situation here. Uh, because I could see the Giants keeping it close. I don't want to call this a uh, a must-win game for the Bears. Maybe a can't-lose game. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm going to go with the Bears, but I think it all depends on who starts fast. They can't come out in the first quarter uh, and start the game with a three and out. That we ha- There has to be some momentum started early. It can't always be in the fourth quarter because you don't. the lead's not always going to be two scores, three scores, you know what I mean? It's At some point, it's going to get insurmountable, and especially with a young offense like the Giants have. Uh, we saw Slayton go off. Saquon is a ticking time bomb as far as I'm concerned. There's n- there's no way he's going to be rushing for 15 yards, or I'm sorry, 15 times for only six yards again this season. It's just not going to happen. You just hope uh, to contain him. So I'm picking the Bears. Uh, I expect them to force – at least one turnover, and that may be the difference. Hank, what do you got? Again, as I kind of mentioned, I want to pick the Giants and go with what my heart's telling me, but unfortunately my gut's giving me the Chicago Bears. I just think the defense might be a bit of a problem. And again, I'm still not 100% sure what to expect from the offensive line. I, I think maybe the Bears win it by a field goal. Very tough one, but I could definitely see the Giants making it extremely competitive for sure. I like your point. For me, I'm going to go a little different. I'll pick the Giants, and here's why. Uh, I brought up three keys to the game. I'm wrong, though. Yeah. (laughs) This is going to be a close game, in my personal opinion. I think Trubisky can go either hot or cold. Um, I do think the Giants win the line battles, but I am concerned with throwing the ball deep. If Daniel Jones has to throw the ball, 40, 50 times in this game, the Giants will lose. If the Giants are able to control ground and pound, then they will win. I think the Giants sneak out with maybe a field goal win, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears win by a touchdown margin either. So that's those are our final predictions. And uh, Andy, I just wanted to thank you again very much for joining us tonight. We appreciate all your insight. I know it's – it's been a crazy week for you, and the Bears looking to go two and zero. That division is stacked this year. They got some good teams up there, up in the north. So, yeah, it's kind of if you, you want to peek into being a Bears fan for. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, of course I picked the Bears. We're eight and eight last year. What uh, what do you want? What do you want me to pick the Giants for? Uh, well said, Adam. <laughs> But of course, you know, it's, if you want to peek into being a Bears fan, like this year or this week, we see all the drama with Adam or I'm sorry, Alan Robinson on Twitter saying, oh, if he doesn't get an extension, he requests to be traded. He removed all the Bears stuff from his Twitter. Uh, so that's not a good look. And then it comes out the next day that he says he expects to finish the year um, as a Bear. How does that does that impact his role on the offense at all? Is he getting more touches? Is he getting less touches? Is he getting frozen out. Um, I know a lot of his teammates came in support, said uh, extend him, which I don't know why you wouldn't. He's probably the best Bears receiver since, what do you say, Alshon Jeffrey? Maybe probably he's probably even better than him. Uh, so I, I don't understand. He's he's your number one option on offense. No reason not to extend him. Uh, maybe Pace is just being kind of cheap. I guess it's from all those 
Jordans they bought the team and, uh, for their road trip in week one. But uh, you mentioned the North. I, I think the Packers will probably win the North as much as that pains me to say it. Uh, a lot of people like the Vikings, but then we saw what the what the Packers did to them in week one. The Vikings, the problem is they have, I believe, two two rookies. They're starting uh, corners. Their secondary is a big uh, issue for yep. them, for sure. Uh, but, I mean, if you have an offense that runs through Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen's not a bad option on the outside, for sure. Uh, but, yeah, I see the Packers winning it. I just hope the Bears can stay competitive. I, I, I told my friend the other day I'd be ecstatic with a 10-6 and six or 9-7 and seven year from the Bears because, you know, we see this extra playoff team this year. That may get you into the playoffs. Agree with you wholeheartedly, Andy. I think the Bears have a really good shot this year, but – uh, thank you so much for joining us again. We appreciate it. And we hope to have you back on. Definitely bring it. Anytime. Absolutely. And I'd love to have you guys on uh, the brew party to talk some football or anything else like that as well. So let's get that set up for sure. I appreciate yeah, you having me on. I would love to enjoy a good beer talking football, man. What can I say? Absolutely. Uh, you want to? Yeah. I <laughs> Introduce me. I love getting dumped on my chest, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's why I'm wearing this bear stuff. Obviously, I love uh, pain and suffering. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks again, guys. I love it. I love what you guys are doing. I've definitely been tuning in uh, throughout the week. It's awesome. So I'd love to be on the North Pole sometime, too. Talk, yeah, I'll talk, talk to Gabe Clayton. I'll, t- I'll talk to Gabe. We'll get that set up. Um, if you want to watch that, that's Tuesdays, 6 to 7 p.m. here on Review and Preview Sports. Thanks again, Andy. Really appreciate it. Tom, Hank, I love it. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. You as well. (laughs) All right. That was Andy Hopper from Chicago, Illinois. And, Hank, uh, we're going to wrap up the show here momentarily. Just wanted to say great call with Andy tonight. What a way to start off this new show, Big Blue Avenue. I really like the avenue that we took tonight. With our show, no pun intended there. Um, hey, I'm not I'm not immune to making dad jokes myself. You're all good. Um, <laughs> there are a couple other notes about the Giants that I want to bring up to the Giants fans watching. Um, Russell Shepard, former Giants wide receiver, announced his retirement from the NFL today. Uh, we talked about Pulley getting his contract restru- uh, restructured. Mm-hmm. And over the week, the Giants released uh, – Training camp standout and practice squad wide receiver Alex Bachman. He is replaced by Derek Dillon, who was brought back. I think he had a kid. I think he had a, a newborn. So I think they yeah. released him. Now he's back. But uh, Hank, any final general thoughts on the New York Football Giants? I mean, hey, they're they're a work in progress. I don't know that we're going to necessarily see like a competitive playoff team this year, but. This I'm I'm really intrigued and excited to uh, for what I'm going to see from this Giants team the rest of the year. And Tom, I, I like the show idea. This is going to be a lot of fun talking about the Giants with you for the rest of the season. And I'm really excited to see where this show goes on from here. Thanks again, my friend, for having me. As always, no problem. We're a team here. We're co-hosts. Really appreciate it. Shout out to all our Facebook Live watchers tonight, viewers, listeners. We really appreciate you. Subscribe to our podcast on the podcasting app or the Anchor. Dot fm slash review and preview give us a follow give us a like as you can see in our ticker those are our social media platforms on behalf of hank and dictor i'm your host tom scavetta saying so long thank you all very much for watching 
You have been watching the first ever Big Blue Avenue here on Facebook Live. Good night, everybody.